Oh. Did you ever learn German then? No. Such a beautiful language, though. <laughs> okay, this. So I did a Google search. Das such Suk ich mein Freude means I examined my joy. <laughs> Is that right? That's what it says. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a new podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Jose. And I'm Joel. And this week we are going to dive into the exciting topic of food. But first, Joel, you brought something really interesting this week for our brew. What do we have on tap? I got one of those mini kegs of German beer. There are six different types here officially allowed to serve at Oktoberfest in Munich, and Hofbrau is one of them. I can't remember the other. Like, Spaten is one, and Lohenbrau is another. And um, I, this, I had to get this because when we went to Germany about six years ago with my family, we went to this Hofbrau house in the middle of Munich, and it was raging. In the middle of the week, it was absolutely raging. All kinds of drunk uh, college kids just pounding beer, Mm -hmm. and the oompa band was raging, Uh almost as if it was like a mosh pit of oompa bands. It was classic and um, su- super, super fun. I want to go back to southern Germany. It's just gorgeous. The um, Alps, and um, that's the, that's called Bavaria. Of course, it's also very, um, what's the word for, like, a bad type of notoriety? Infamy. Yes, it's very infamous. Cause infamous. Even, I think that, that it's much more conservative and much was much more aligned with Adolf as he came up. And, of course, Austria is next to southern uh, Germany. But... Um, Interesting. Let's talk a little bit about this beer. I did a little research, and Oktoberfest is traditionally a lager, which mm-hmm. is, I just feel so good about drinking this in the middle of October right now. That's so good. Yeah, and it's generally very sweet, and some people hate it because of how sweet it is. So this even goes better with our um, show because we are um, – I I know that you love IPAs or at least like them, but I like IPAs a little bit. But as I've said many times, I want to get away from IPAs, mm-hmm. and this is sweet lager. It is definitely it's definitely second so sweet to some people. It's super sweet. It's crazy, huh? It is, and I'm. It's like a little, like a candy beer. Yeah, it's a candy beer. It's nutty. Um, here's an interesting little tidbit: the German Oktoberfest beer we drink nowadays is not the original Oktoberfest. The Oktoberfest beer from way back in 1810, I'm looking at my notes, is actually a Dunkel, which oh. is a darker beer. But um, uh, in the United States, we kind of changed it over because then later on in the 1800s, it became kind of an amber mm-hmm. beer. But now all the Oktoberfest beer they serve, of course, people who bent to that in Munich know that it's absolutely clear beer. It's Ooh. very light beer, light colored. I mean, yeah. and it is light um, alcohol too. Light golden color. Yeah, light golden color, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, we're drinking this out of a couple of German um, steins. They're so cool. Yeah. I like the word stein too. Yeah, that means, do you know what that means? No, it means, it means stone. Of course it does. Yeah. I should have known that. Yeah, I made that out of stones back here. Oh, so, yeah. Here, here's how we clink. <laughs> oh, it's a very, very clayish. But yours has a cool, like, little music box on the yeah. bottom. Yeah. This is probably like a racist song with all these Germans getting drunk and singing about killing Jews. Yeah. So if that's the case, I apologize. It's my grandpa. My, my family's all German, so. Yeah. Except for my grandma. But they're not Nazis, though. Well, 
No, and they were absolutely vilified during World War II for being German and speaking German, and that's sort of overlooked really? because Germans in the United States, of course, very patriotic, went off to fight, yeah. kind of like the Japanese, but were absolutely vilified if they spoke German. So it kind of helped the community in Wisconsin, where my family's from, oh, okay. to, to trans transition over to English because they all spoke German, of yeah. course. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. For the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Jose and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be chatty. So that isn't a strict time limit. Oh. This week, I am going to discuss, even though I'm no expert on it and it's not true TED Talk, I have to discuss Kavanaugh. And I'm going to trip you out right now. Sure. Because I am super, super conflicted about it. And Thank for you. this reason, and this is total mansplaining. Total man speak. But I am super uncomfortable with indicting somebody for something that happened 30 years ago. And by the way, I totally understand why females don't come forward. Oh. They have historically not been believed. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, man. And I, I'm, I want to always be comfortable with not being a zealot and not being right. like thinking that I'm always right. So I'm like on the fence. Now, the fact that three came forward. Help me a little bit, because I feel like as, as more and more people come forward, it kind of you know, solidified my, um, my naturally, politically, antagonism towards that side. And, and I would, by the way, vote against him just on policy. I, would I think him. we can feel very comfortable yeah. voting against him on policy without all the other stuff. No, I would, I would follow um, former Justice John Paul Stevens and vote him vote against him based on his performance at the hearings. Right. Because yeah. he lost his cool, he was hysterical. But he was political too. And you, political. We, I mean that's that like alone. the number one rule. Yeah, yeah, he was totally no, biased. biased. That alone was enough, I think, to disqualify him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so I guess that's what I wanted to say and, and I just want to address this and here we have Deanna with us. Is it okay? Yeah. Oh, no. And we'll, we'll edit it. I can be about your last name we'll, if you don't want. And if you don't want your first name, we'll put that out. Um, and which is great. We get a female voice. And I want to say, I totally understand. I've already said this. When females don't come forward. Because they've historically not been believed. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that makes sense. But I also, on the other hand, want to say, we need to change as a society to where when they come forward, they are absolutely given... As much, but not more, I mean, um, credit mm -hmm. than the accused are. I mean, in the past, they've been given way less credit to me. We have to wait till the evidence comes in. In other words, we have to deal with this like Spock would. Totally. I mean, what, mm -hmm. what is your whole take on this whole thing? Um, if you don't mind, I mean, we're putting you on the spot. No, that's fine. Well, I shared with Jose that um, I have a very close family member who is a victim of sexual assault. So for me, this is really personal. Oh, yeah. And so for me to have seen the way she was treated and how it affected me and my family, I just, I can't even, I can't even begin to fathom how much these ladies are going through. Mm -hmm. And so and how, many, like, how much guts it took that gal, all yeah. three of them, but especially the gal that took the stand from exactly. the Senate. And so like if, if my family members 
attacker was in a position of power, I don't care if it was 50 years down the road, I'm still going to make it known that he's a horrible piece of shite. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, I know that people say, oh, I can't believe that this one thing is going to ruin his whole life. I don't give up. You know what? Mm-hmm. Because it's ruined the lives of yeah. the victims. So, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like in a way, uh, Joel, we're maybe hypocrites again. Because you and I have had this conversation about Me Too and about mm-hmm. various people, mm-hmm. like James Gunn, mm-hmm. where, oh, that was 10 years ago. Well, again, James Gunn didn't commit sexual assault, but he had these tweets that got him in trouble. But mm-hmm. ah, maybe, we're not, maybe I'm confusing, like, misspeaking with sexual assault. Like, I guess sexual assault just doesn't have, like, a statute of limitations, <laughs> whereas, um, I guess, insensitive tweets... Um, can be forgiven after a period of time, I guess. Yeah, but, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I was telling somebody earlier that one of Kavanaugh's buddies, Chad Luddington, well, I guess now he goes by Charles, um, wrote a book, a memoir, about his years in college, a lot of it having to do with being blackout drunk, chasing ladies, you know. And in his book was a Is character that... named Bart O'Kavanaugh. Oh, right. No, I read that. <laughs> yeah. And that wasn't Judge, the guy whose last name is Judge, who's a recovering oh, maybe it was, alcoholic. Maybe it was Mike yeah, Judge. I think it's or him. Mark, or whatever his name is. Yeah. Mark. By the way, you can't find that book anywhere now. It suddenly disappeared. He wrote a book about his experience. Yeah, and that's the one, Bartle Kavanaugh. So, right. oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't Chad. Chad was yeah. the one who came forward and said, um, hey, I just want to say, like, my, I went to college with him. That's what it was. Yeah. And I saw him do these things. Did they not ask Kavanaugh about that? And he totally... And here's the other thing that he totally do, like, did. Like, he... Did with I think they asked that question to him. Are you the Kavanaugh in the book? And he totally e- evaded mm-hmm. um, the questions. Which has anybody evaded? I know that's typical for um, Supreme Court um, hearings, but I think he totally overstepped previous evasions. Oh, I mean, yeah. he went to the extreme in just completely refusing to answer questions. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that's a tough one. And actually, Mary Klobuchar. One of the senators who was questioning him asked him, you know, have you been blackout drunk because of your alcoholism, basically? Yeah. And he refused. Instead, he threw it back on her. Well, have you been blackout drunk? <laughs> so he refused to so answer. I'm to ask questions. Um, yeah. Hopefully she said, I'm not the one on the stand here. She did. Good. She's like, yeah. I'm not the one answering questions. You are. Good. Yeah. But... What if she had, I mean, I hope she would say just if she hadn't, which I'm, I assume I have, of course, but a lot of people haven't. And she, I hope she would have said, no, I haven't. I'll be that blackout drunk awesome. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good. Well, on this good October. On this year. delicious Hoffbrow original. Yeah. You know, I think that maybe why I'm so conflicted is because I was accused of sexual <laughs> misdeeds completely mm. falsely. Mm-hmm. And so I see the other side mm. and, um, so, I mean, it's should we not let personal feelings and, and just come at it as a Spockian, you know? Is I try to come at things from total logic. Mm-hmm. And since we don't know for sure that he did, although if I had if God was sitting in front of me and God said, Joel, I know and you have to bet. Mm-hmm. Like because belief has different meanings, right? What do you believe? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so my I would say, God, I totally would bet that he did. But is that enough to keep him off the Supreme Court? Probably yes, but to convict him, 
for some. Now, this was a court case. I, I don't think he would be convicted by it. Mm-hmm. No, but it's, it's not a court case. It's, right, that's the thing. It's like a you're hiring someone from a, for a job. For a right. very moral, ethical right. position. Right, right. So Can, if he doesn't have those morals or those ethics to know when and when not to put his hands or on somebody like that, then... Mm-hmm. Exactly. He shouldn't. He shouldn't be qualified for that job. And if yeah. there's questions, even I think that's enough. Mm-hmm. And there certainly yeah. are questions. We, I mean, don't, we don't need to prove it. Nobody came forward and accused Neil Gorsuch of assaulting him. Right. 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 Exactly. The last time this happened was what 1991 with uh, Clarence Thomas, mm-hmm. Anita Hill, yep. and he got he got you know confirmed. And I think. Brett Kavanaugh will be confirmed ultimately. Yeah, that's what I hear on the way home today that he's going to be confirmed. Um, yeah. The main, the linchpin is Manchin or is Munchin? Manchin, yeah, from West Virginia, and the gal from Rhode Island. I can't remember her name. She's a, a Republican and he's a Democrat. Mm. Uh, the listeners know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that would took way too long. That's ridiculous. No Go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this week for my Fred talk, I'm talking about Halloween. Cheers to Halloween. Woo. Yeah. We Titans, Woo. all three of us. That's kind of a sad cheers because of the sound. Oh, that's oh, so beautiful. Sure. That's sad. Holy, where is that coming from? It's coming from this. From your stein. <laughs> Tell us about Halloween. All right, so I, I don't, I don't want to take too long because I, I yeah, think I did, yeah. Halloween, of course, is a, um, a word that we use now. And when we say the word Halloween, we think of kids dressing up and going out and knocking on doors saying, trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat, or whatever they say nowadays, I don't know. And um, getting bags of candy and getting all high on sugar and sweets. <laughs> but actually, it, um, it also has really negative connotations for some people. Particularly, I would say, like, more Christian fundamentalists. They look at it as, like, the satanic holiday. Right, evil spirits, witches, um, witches, and Satan, and etc. But it actually, Halloween is originally a Catholic holiday. Halloween, it's a contraction of, I think it's a Scottish contraction of the words All Hallows Eve. Hallows Eve refers to November first, which is All Saints Day. Because Ian and Eve sound so much alike. It just kind of blurred for together. Drunk, for a drunk Scottish oh, man. Was yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? So, but anyway, yeah, that's what it comes from. All Hallows Eve and November 1st is um, All Saints Day. Halloween, though, is this um, tradition of just basically acknowledging the dead. Right? So, like, remembering them, praying for the dead. And it's evolved over time from different cultures and in the, in the United States, right? But for people who would say that you should not celebrate Halloween for, you know, for, for satanic or Wiccan or witch reasons or whatever that you hear from some people, I would say it's actually a really good thing that we as a society are immune to being afraid. And that's what trick-or-treating, you know, being confronted by ghosts and goblins. I know, I love that. That's idea. what it does. It's kind of like an inoculation. I love that idea. It, it, it is helpful to little kids to be immersed in terrors yes so that they can realize that it's nothing to be afraid of and then you see these people who are like oh no hide your children from the ghosts don't let them watch harry potter and don't let them watch horror films oh my god who would say that there are people who who do that and it's like i'm a potterhead i love harry potter yeah but you're actually doing them a disservice by hiding them or protecting them quote unquote from these things Mm -hmm. because you're you're actually encouraging them you're making it taboo and you're actually making them unnecessarily afraid of things that they should not be 
But I think that your your analogy with fundamentalism is so apt because, I mean, isn't a huge thread in their thinking is fear, you know? It is. And, and so the fear of Harry Potter, right, is nutty. Yeah. And and I think screws up their kids. I really totally do. Does. And and I think that when you when I have lots of fundamentalist relatives, and when they keep their kids from society, because yeah. one of the threads of that uh, whole um, part of religion is that we have to remain apart. Right. I don't think Jesus ever no said that. Jesus did he not say yes. That's the point. Right. God, he. Wash the feet of prostitutes and and mm-hmm. with the ta- uh, tax, tax collectors and I mean it's just how does it get so mangled? It's because they're so afraid of the culture yeah. that they can't engage it, yeah. and so they end up isolating themselves and like retreating to the caves. Yeah, right. And if you look back at the ancient churches, like the early Christians who built churches, in some of them, they build. Churches with skeletons and skulls right into their architecture. I love it. Yeah, because Europe like, is cool in that way. Death. There's death right there. And the key part of it is be not afraid. Don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of Satan. Don't be afraid of witches. Don't be afraid of any of these things. Because ultimately, if you have faith, your faith is in God. Your faith is in your ultimate salvation. Okay, now... I gotta take have another take on it, which yeah. is they're scaring you into believing because they're saying if you don't believe, you're going to hell. Well, that's that would be the fundamentalist point of view, right? Okay, right. Soul, that's true. But Catholics, in a sense, used to be fundamentalists in that way because there are definite murals all I mean, over Europe which people would look at the peasant and say, "If I didn't, you know, believe, I'm going." And and the, the mm-hmm. depictions of hell are crazy in some of right. the cathedrals in in Europe, right? Mm-hmm, totally. I was t- okay, yeah. thinking about something um, where you were mentioning that um, we shouldn't be afraid of death. It's just a part of our religion, mm-hmm. part of our lives. Life, yeah. At my father-in-law's funeral, the the priest gave his sermon, and he was basically saying that we should not be sitting here sad for the loss of our our family. We should be celebrating the fact that he's now getting to be in heaven mm-hmm. with his holy father. And it should be a time of us looking ahead and realizing that will one day be us, and it will be a celebration. Mm-hmm. Happy okay, time. I have to bring, I have to be the wet blanket here. <laughs> Go ahead and say, why, if Christians truly, if they truly believe, are they so afraid of death? I mean, Christians are afraid of death. Christians they should not try. Be. They shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I know the reason. We're human. No I know the reason, so I'm not really asking no. that. But mm. it was what I'm saying is, is, see, my belief is nobody really believes in, in the sense that they think that it's true. They know it's true as in the sun's coming up in the morning, that that's true, and they know their address, they know their name. I think that the, the belief, in other words, in Christianity is hope. I mean, what is, what is belief it, in Christianity? I think there's, tr- there, there's truth in that. If you have hope, then you should not be afraid. And that's that's kind of my point here with this Halloween talk here is that the people who downplay Halloween, people who don't want you to dress up like a skeleton or a ghost or Satan, are actually demonstrating that they don't have that hope. Yeah. Because they're afraid. Exactly. And if you're afraid of death, then you don't have that hope. Mm-hmm. If you're afraid of Satan, if you're afraid of all these ghosts and goblins and, you know, Jason Voorhees walking down the street with a, you know, a pillow sack full of candy, mm-hmm. you know, if you're afraid of Harry Potter. <laughs> but, but, but to take it a step further, 
that you don't have hope. You don't have belief almost. Yeah, they don't have I would true have, belief. You don't have belief. Yeah, but there are so of? many Christians who will say like, "Well, I don't want, I don't want my kid trick or treating because I don't want them confronted by those things." Well, death is real, right? Whether you're a believer or not, you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. Period. And mm-hmm. you can either try to shelter your child and protect them from that ultimate reality, or you can say you need to be confronted by this. I, for one, am not gonna shelter my child. No way. Halloween's awesome. I love horror films. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I'm actually healthier for that than someone who's afraid of those things. Because, like I said from the beginning, it's inoculation. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of these things because, I don't know, I I have that armor. There you go. That's one way to put it. But at the same time, I've been in contact with these things through film or Halloween or whatever. Right. That's outstanding. I love it. You Mm -hmm. have a very um, healthy... Christian, um, I love it. I, hope I tell you that all the time, but if I was going to become Christian, I would definitely become your type of Catholic. Not mm-hmm. all Catholic. Not all. I know there are, yeah. there are those conservatives out there who are well, nutty. Yeah. Jinx. Jinx. Eat steak, eat steak, eat a big old steer. Eat steak, eat steak, do we have one beer? Eat beef, 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 it's a mighty good food. It's a great aim. So now we are going to get into our main topic, which is food. And we just discussed how this could go for like five or ten episodes because (laughs) it's so fun to talk about. And, you know, I'm going to talk about something kind of nutty and philosophical first, which is I had this crazy epiphany someday or about three months ago. It was during the summer. Mm -hmm. And I realized that food is the only art that is sustaining. Now, mm. I don't know if you can wrap your head around that, but like, we don't need to look at art or listen to music or look at sculpture to sustain us. But food is an art when it reaches our um, one of our senses, mm-hmm. right? Like the sight, the, the music, which would be the ear. But this is our taste buds. But it also sustains us, which me- makes it the art that we all have to have and I think sets it apart as an art. Totally. I mean, I, I don't know that we were going to go into this thinking of food as a piece of art, mm-hmm. but it is. No, I mean, I, think totally. So. I totally do too. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the true um, chef understands that concept of food being an art. Mm-hmm. So not only do they plate the food in a way that's artistically or aesthetically pleasing, but yeah, there's sometimes an aroma, and of course, the flavors all have to be there. <sighs> yes. Mm-hmm. So it's oh, this. Visceral, so delicious. three senses right there, right? So you got sight, you got um, nasal. What is that? What do you call the the, the olfactory? The olfactory, mm-hmm. and of course you got the taste buds and the sound. Like when you like are. Oh yes. Oh yeah, like right here. Cheers to that. Yeah. Um, when you hear like totally your tapioca is like smooshing around. But also, crunching the popcorn is not the texture a touch sense. Yeah. So it's like right. four. Because I hate and some textures. So here, mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. I hate garbanzo beans. Am I the only oh, one that yeah. hates garbanzo beans? Like garbanzo them. beans. You know what yeah. I hate? <laughs> Cantaloupe. Oh, interesting. That's nasty. Really? Ew. It tastes like rotten watermelon to me. Really? Do you, okay, this is the perfect segue into this idea that some people don't have... Um, Good taste. Genetically... <laughs> <laughs> genetically... Uh, they taste cilantro and cantaloupe. Oh, 
Yes, that's me. Okay, so that's why. That Does is, it go hand in hand or yeah, something? No, you don't it like, must. I hate cilantro. I love cilantro. Yeah. No, but that's genetic. Wow. And so this is a whole nother cool deal about uh, food. Wow. <laughs> you Have you heard that about cilantro and, and cantaloupe? I've only heard like about papaya? cilantro. Okay, okay. No, I haven't heard about cantaloupe. I, and, you know, I know about uh, papaya, but I don't know about cantaloupe. But I'll bet, excuse me, I'll bet that it's it's the same idea. Mm-hmm. Classic. Interesting. So we got, let me, uh, we got uh, taste buds, we got sight, we got hearing, which you just brought up. We also yeah. have, what is the only, what is touch. the only? Touch. 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 Oh, yeah. We got that texture. with texture. But what's the fifth sense? What am I forgetting? Is it involve all five? Yeah. Oh, it is all five. Okay. Because okay. the sixth yeah. sense is seeing dead people. <laughs> You're seeing dead food. I don't see dead people. <laughs> uh, so I, I, that's why, like, watching these food channel or food network or these food shows on, on Netflix... That's why sometimes it's like porn. Oh, gosh. I'm like, oh, that looks so good. Just salivating. I have to, and this has been something that I started three years ago or so, I have to, like, be eating when I'm watching a show. Really? Yeah, because it's too, it's torture to watch a Mm. show of good food without eating, you know? My gut's getting so big, I'll unbutton my pants, maybe (laughs) drop them a little bit. (laughs) So you can fit more in. Yeah. Uh, And Christina walks in, she's like, why are your pants off? It's food porn. (laughs) (laughs) Now, are you combining the two, or is it just really the the visual? (laughs) That's true. You edit that out. But no, it's funny, funny. because it's like, because if you think about it, there is that kind of sexual quirk, or like, I Mm. guess, what do you call it, Mm -hmm. that... um, Oh yeah, there's there's a connection like, between food and por- and sex. <coughs> oh yeah, that's like having sex, sustaining art. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> okay, what is your guys's favorite food? If you no, now I'm not talking about favorite dish. Right. I'm take, I'm talking oh. about favorite et- ethnic food. Right. For one. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, because mine's a tie. Oh. Mm. Mine's a Stallone and mayonnaise. Mm. <laughs> Just kidding, no. Don't you dare. All right, so mine, I'll just start since I brought it up, is uh, Thai food and Mexican food. I wouldn't know. And, you know, I've been coming. Indian food is coming up. Yeah. Recently. I'm not a real expert, but, man, I was just so. But, anyway, Thai and Mexican. Okay. I would say Italian if I had to choose one. Oh, mm-hmm. I love all Love bread. <laughs> I'm with you. I love pasta. You Those, can make pasta. I want to take one. Yeah. Hey. Butter and garlic and pasta. Is yeah. that all you need? It is it's crazy. Yeah. I love Mexican food. <coughs> Sorry, I swallowed a kernel. Uh, that sounded really don't ask, don't tell me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just got that. Oh, that's horrible. Sorry. Horrible. You got to keep that one in. That'll make so oh, many people laugh. Uh, I've just got that Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> in my head. No, that's horrible. No, now it's just KFC. They got rid of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, now it's just KFC. Mm. But I love Sorry. Mexican food. Oh, gosh, of course. It's my favorite. I grew up with it, obviously, so I'm biased, but I think it's just perfect. I don't know. I do, too. The flavors, mm-hmm. the spice, the simplicity. I love the but fact. The complexity. Yeah. Mole. Mole. Oh, and it is such an international, it's just catching fire internationally, for one. Yeah. Yeah, Mexican food's in the middle of Kazakhstan right now, which is cool. And I love the idea that... Mexican food, like, is not super expensive. Right. And I have walked out of a really expensive meal. I've, I've had a, about three or four super expensive meals. I'm talking about, like, over 300 bucks right. oh for God. two people. It's goofball. And I think to myself, what the f- 
was I doing? Yeah, Joel. And I could have had a taco, like the best carnitas yeah. taco right now for 10 for bucks. 10 bucks yeah. And it was just as good as that shit. I mean, it was yeah. good food. And I, the whole time I was like, oh, this is super good. But sometimes you, you bite into a carnitas taco or whatever. Yeah. You're like, holy yeah, that is amazing. So Christine and I went to the Hitching Post, which everyone's like, ah. like it's like the mecca of like, <coughs> excuse me, it's the mecca of, I guess like meat, steaks, all these like yeah. really delicious cuts. It's amazing good food. steak. It's but. really good, but I, I, me, Ooh. I dropped fifty bucks on a fillet. This you. little oh tiny piece of meat, and I ate it in like two seconds, and I was done. Yep. fifty bucks. I was like, Shit, I could have a burrito, a El Pastor burrito from a Mexican restaurant for eight bucks with a Coke, like and a, a Mexican side Coke, of beans and rice. Side of beans, Hell and yeah. that would have been like way more bomb. And mm-hmm. also, can we right now just absolutely glorify free chips? Uh, Who yes. does that? Does any? Yes. I mean, come on! And, and that, that's. I mean, you're like hell. I could just eat this and I'm put everything in the box. Know, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? What's your Love favorite? <laughs> my favorite food or my favorite Mexican food? Well, you mix food. Yeah. Oh, I would have to say this is very specific though. Yeah. I like that though. My grandmother's oh. Christmas tamales. Ooh. Oh yes, okay. I love she that. makes that. Scratch. Please Hell tell yeah. me she doesn't ruin it with raisins, though. Hell no. Okay, no, 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 no. Now, did she make different types? No. Nope. And talk about well, that tradition, because some people don't know that tradition. That's so cool. So for us, um, we have a tradition of making tamales uh, Christmas Eve. That's when our mm-hmm. my mom's side celebrates. And um, so that day, that morning, we get up, we uh, <laughs> start putting the masa on the, the leaves. The, the, the corn husks. Corn husks, yes. And then we fill them, pop them in the pot, the olla, and then by oh, dinner time man. they are done. And the nice thing about helping okay. my grandma smelling it the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. The nice thing because my sister, my my immediate family, the four of us Joneses, were the ones that help out with making it. We're the first ones that taste it. Mm. And she always puts a little extra batch aside just for us to take home. Oh, nice. So I get to enjoy tamales for a couple of months. Nice. One of the it's great a- foods yeah. that can last so long. Like, oh, what are we going to eat tonight? Hell yeah, we got tamales in the freezer. Yep. So Ooh, cool. Love it. Yeah, Christina's grandmother does that. <coughs> Man, it's Colonel. Uh, Christina's grandmother. <laughs> <I know. laughs> that's that's deep into your throat. I know, deep throat over here. <clears throat> I'm sorry. You know, take take down that a, one out. That's take horrible. Take down a president. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's horrible. Uh, man. But, um, so Christina's grandmother does that as well. Like, it's like an assembly line. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So you have someone with the masa, and they've spread it on the corn husks, and yep. someone puts the meat in there, and then mm-hmm. the, the, um, the, olives or whatever and the fold it and the rolling and then yeah putting in the olla and mm-hmm. that is it's so fun it's like a, it takes hours yeah but, but what a, a nice... great way for that is like emblematic of mexican families getting yes. together right mm-hmm. so beautiful. it's awesome now in our family our assembly line it is categorized by age really so the young the younger generations they can only handle the masa. Oh. Yes, you don't want to. Yeah, grandma has to show you how much masa to put. Oh yeah, that's because she will send that right back. Hell to yeah, I love that. Now. I love it. Grandma and up until a few years ago, great grandma, mm-hmm. they were the only ones that could put the meat and the chile oh, on yeah. there and folding it in the right way because you right. don't want to fold the wrong way, otherwise all the. 
going to come out. That's right. <laughs> on the bottom. <laughs> on the masa. Now, there is a tradition in my family, which is um, on, uh, it's an English tradition. It comes from the one-fourth of my family that um, is English, which is Yorkshire pudding. Ooh, what is that? Uh, now, that? Have you ever heard of, this is not what you think. Oh. This is taking dough, yeah. and I don't know, it's very eggy dough, and you take the pork roast or the beef roast, and you heat the oil yeah. super, super high level, and you just dollop little chunks of dough into it, and it puffs up. Huh. And then when you eat it, it's super oily and delicious. Mm, I like it's oily. incredible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's incredible. It's garlicky too because the oil's got a bunch of garlic from the pot mm. roast or whatever in it. Oh, and so then, wait, the like I'm trying meat. to think of like an analog between that Mexican tradition, and the English tradition, but and, and the point is that the cultures have this cool connectiveness because yeah. of food, which oh, is beautiful. Yeah. It's something that we all need. Yeah, it's something that we all have in yeah. common. Yeah. I'll eat it very differently. Yeah. Yeah, food brings us all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you yeah. said pudding, I think pudding now is ruined for me. <laughs> Bill Cosby is just ruined. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. now we're putting him in jail. So. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's oh, man, too bad. That's, that's too bad. just awful. That's horrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, America. Too soon. Bill Cosby, if you're listening, I'm sorry. That Burn. guy, by the way, going back to what we talked about, that guy needs to go and he's gone it's a beautiful thing yeah got him he's gone okay so food is amazing mm-hmm. i love pastor burritos you spice that up no, i'm gonna stop you right there okay. <laughs> because this is remarkable i've never told you this but i'm sure we all noticed that you get an al pastor burrito every f- day yeah. for lunch and it's and shocking it's the same yeah i know that's how amazing mexican food is you can have the same food every day exactly it's amazing it's so i've had good. that burrito and it is crazy there's so much spice and it's just juicy and the pastor is like oh, on point yes one problem with it though cilantro Oh, oh, you can ask them not to do, You can ask, or is that like come with it? Yeah, I don't know. I add cilantro. Oh, okay. So you don't have to add it. All right. I love cilantro. That. Not your fault. It's all genetic. Coriander. Yeah, that's right. It's coriander. It's cilantro, people. Um, that's a trip. But anyway, yeah. Okay, we've got through one topic out of like a thousand. <laughs> and that was twenty minutes. Took twenty minutes. <laughs> Amazing. It was so fun to talk all about right. food. Yeah, food. All right, so if we're going to switch topics quickly, I'm sorry. No. My wife and I went to Disneyland recently, and we went on Small World. And I have to say, our generation, Deanna, the mm-hmm. millennials, were too woke for Small World. <laughs> we were going through Small World, and I'm like, this is racist as f-. Is like, that right? Yeah. Uh, my old uh, ass needs to hear why. Go ahead. Can I have a little tangent here? Tangent. Okay, yes. Because of course. One of my students called me out for being racist because of something what? I put up in my room. So, and it reminded me of the little world there. Yeah. So, a couple years ago, I arranged for my students to have pen pals in France. Uh-huh. And so I had a bulletin board of French culture. I had the Eiffel Tower, yeah. and I had a little kid that I made, and he had a beret on and <laughs> a striped shirt. shirt and a little red handkerchief. Oh, that is so stereotypical. <laughs> my, you're my racist. Call me out. <laughs> that, and but, I was like, you're kind of right. <laughs> no, no. See, so, as an old guy, and like you're maybe right, you're right. like more quasi-racist, yeah, and I don't agree. I can't agree. Because 
you can find kids and you probably saw people where you're just in France like that. Yes, although I didn't notice any kids with that, but I noticed yeah. a lot of older people with uh, berets yeah. and, you know, yeah. Smoking the cigarettes saying, f*** you. <laughs> with a croissant. Croissant, yeah. F*** you, American. American, with your poor French accent. Yeah. So, small world, though, I'll say this before I move I'm going to totally disagree with you. I, I mean, unless they've changed for the worst, which is impossible, so it's just I was, hear it. I was going through the ride, and it's just like... Here are the Asian people with their slanted eyes, with their cut. They have slanted eyes. That's okay. <laughs> here's all the like. Oh, and then going through America, it's just like farmers and like windmills and Toy Story. Like Woody. No, no, you're getting you're getting it wrong between stereotyping versus giving a snippet of what's there. I guess. Okay. But come okay, on. Go ahead. But here's another thing. So if you're talking about small world, at what point do we do we say we should keep a small world yeah. because of exactly. how it shows people back in the day? True, like the perceptions of people. Right. I don't think it's and back in the day. Right, right. Obviously. I don't think it's back in the day. I think that's that is generally true now. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> but I will I will say this though. Going well, on, farmers, yeah, that's yeah, corporate now. You're right. But I will say this. Going on Small World, and this was kind of my main point, going on Small World, and especially going through the America section, I was like, okay, the ride that we're on, we're in this boat. They had to close Small World for like a couple months, I think, to dig deeper trenches because Americans are so fat. I see your segue, my brother. No so way. Americans are so beast that they had to make the small world like trench <laughs> with the water deeper because we were oh, scraping the bottom of the. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So that that made me think of like, what's our diet like compared to right. the rest of the world? Can we combine this with this U.S. diet recommendations yeah. thing? Because the United States has recommended way too much. Yeah. Um, bread and wheat, which, okay, let's go back to our caveman days. Mm-hmm. Were we eating bread, grains? No, but no. we should have. Because <laughs> they're the best things ever. Right. And I've gone off Amen. of uh, yeah. pasta bread diet, and when I see a piece of bread go in front of me, I am absolutely, I actually, I lose my mind. <laughs> I really do. Mm-hmm. Not going, uh, I last night spent 15 minutes ordering some crazy non-high-carb wheat so we can make some non high carb bread so I can have bread again. It's because I'm going <laughs> it probably is. Yes, it is. All for nothing. You guys, you guys are young. I'm getting a gut. So much. Dude. No. Oh, come on. Yeah, you guys no. have no idea. And and so we can get into diets too right now. And I, I bread is so I beautiful. Pasta turns into sugar in yeah. our gut. It does. And, but okay. But let's go back to this crazy United States dietary uh, recommendations. I think it was way too heavy. And I think there's something political about it with yeah. the, the Americans, Kansan wheat farmer. All oh, that yeah. Bit. I think that there's totally. no doubt about that, which is crazy. Just like pesticides. Yeah. So I, I think that's, that's, that's going to be hitting hard in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I hope it hits sooner than later. Like we don't actually need milk yeah. from cows. That's the huge that, But that's a big component of that. Well, it used to be a food pyramid. Now it's like a circle or a square or some shit. 
I don't know. Yeah, that's right. What is it nowadays? I don't even know. It's not a pyramid. It's anymore. an oblong. Yeah. <laughs> it's an amorphous oh amoeba. Amorphous amoeba. This is random shapes, but yeah. they've got it so screwed up. They do have to. We just talked about dairy, by the way. We oh, at lunch. I was on yeah. lunch, and I feel like I wonder: Can you eat later in life? Yes. Have, okay, that's can. what's happening to me. I A can't. lot of people have that. Uh, and this is an anthropological thing. Babies, when they're born, are, for the most part, of course, not all, are lactose tolerant. Right. Until about three or four. And a lot of people start to develop lactose intolerance hmm. around that age because they no longer need to have that milk. enzyme right. from their mother's milk. Of course. And so you see that a lot, especially with um, cultures who historically have not had cows available to them. For example, in the Americas. Wow. So a lot of, and again, I'm generalizing, I'm not saying everybody, but people of Hispanic descent in the Americas, indigenous descent, don't have the enzyme present to allow them to digest milk. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. And it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And I haven't eaten milk a lot since I stopped in high school eating cereal every day, Mm -hmm. right? And so now I think I'm developing an intolerance. I eat ice cream like it's going out of style. But I I stopped drinking milk. I started drinking soy milk. Mm. Yeah. And um, for a while I was drinking the rice milk, but I'm like, this tastes terrible. You got to get the vanilla flavor. The vanilla flavor. I was doing almond. Almond flavor vanilla. Yeah, that's good too. Yep. Alternatives, because you got to put something in your milk. Or lactose. I mean, you got to put something in your cereal besides beer and water (laughs) but no you're right so the u.s dietary recommendations there's some truth there there's a kernel of truth to go back to that horrible joke from earlier but you don't need a lot of what's on that list yeah and i think it has to do with corporate influence it's crazy dairy farmers or the people Mm -hmm. who grow wheat you know and they they influence what goes on that pyramid or whatever the hell it is now yeah so basically you need to look to science and they didn't you know yeah. you just when you figure this all out you, you look to nutritionists and they didn't and so this i think it's going to continue to evolve mm-hmm. right there, and um and we'll get it right and it's not the same thing too that's just the idea of that is dumb because for every yeah. person it's different right so let me ask you a question oh, yeah. how many years does it take to become a doctor, like just a run-of-the-mill doctor, like general practitioner. Eight years of college. Okay. Did you know that in all those eight years of college that doctors only have about 70 hours of nutrition training or education? Mm. Yeah, that's 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 shocking. Shocking. It's like nil. And that's like mm. number one for our health is food. Right. I, we keep on hearing food and uh, exercise, but I'm, uh, and most actually people are convinced, no, it's actually food, way more. Mm-hmm. It just takes a change of diet to make you healthier. Right. You can do what we do normally, exercise-wise, to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Right, just a normal exercise that you should be doing that I don't do, yeah. plus a healthy diet, and you won't be a fatty like me. Oh, Jose. <laughs> You know I what? put on weight because my wife is pregnant. I put on like ten pounds at least. You want to like because she's gaining pounds because of a baby, so you got to like. Apparently, it's a thing. Like husbands, apparently, on average, gain ten pounds. Yeah. Apparently. So you've you've reached your average. I've reached the average. And I might surpa- I might surpass it. You got a couple more months. Yeah. Totally, babe. <laughs> keep it up. Keep going. I keep it up, but it's hard now. She's got the belly. And- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Can we talk about also this idea that if you are afraid to eat in life because of diets and what society says about you, Mm -hmm. that. that. Food is too good 
too good to forego. I would rather die than be on yes, a strict diet. Yes, yeah. I like these diet people who say, now, if you strictly follow this, you're a nutcase. I like right. the like the diets that are like, or none, no diets are like that. The, all the diets are like, they're all super fundamentalist and right, like right. extreme, which we got to get rid of. You just got to do everything in moderation. Exactly. Even moderation. So I think what needs to happen is this. We are, as a society, as a culture, we're stuck on the breakfast, lunch, dinner routine. And we need to be eating small meals every three to four hours. Mm-hmm. Small meals. And you have to do that every single time. Because if you don't, you're just an idiot. Well, it's, it's good for... <laughs> My point being that, you know... Just that rule needs to be broken. Exactly. No, I agree. Because I, I, I think all rules should be broken. But, um, well, not all. But I agree, though. My wife Essentially. Essentially. Not all rules, babe. Um, so, <laughs> basically, if you have, if you're someone like me, and I don't eat very often, I'll, I might eat something for breakfast or not. I might eat something for, for lunch. And I might not eat again until like 8 o'clock. Oh, my God. Right? Horrible. That's so bad for your metabolism. You should be eating every three to four hours so your metabolism doesn't think that you're starving and Mm -hmm. storing fat in your body, in your panza, which is what I'm dealing with right now. Yes. But then stress, of course, creates cortisol, I guess, and that stores it in your fat. Do you guys get hangry? Oh, yeah. I don't. Oh, my gosh. I get hella hangry. I get hangry as fuck. Yes. Yep. Rudy knows this. Uh-huh. Yep. And he knows that if I start to say, okay, dude, we need to f- meet. Now. And yeah. he's like, okay, dropping yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. He's learned. Yes. Chris so, is the same way. Ah, yeah. yes. Because she eats breakfast and I don't. So I'm used uh, to going from dinner and then dessert to all the way till 10. I have to eat at 10. Mm-hmm. But that's a long time, so that I'm is. like more used to it. Yeah, no, I have my breakfast. If I don't, I will tear my students' heads off. Yeah. So I do it for them, also for me. I eat my snack. Mm-hmm. I eat my lunch. I have a snack when I come home. Yeah. And then when Rudy gets home, we eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's. Then we usually have dessert. <laughs> um, that's funny. <laughs> While watching shots of something. While watching shots. Yeah. <laughs> It is so true. I went on a backpacking trip about three weeks ago for, or a month ago, and I hit a wall because I hadn't eaten well before yeah. that. And I think we hit walls in our daily lives. Not mm-hmm. a wall, but we just slow down big time. And man, this art is so combined with this very functional thing that we need, like these yeah. calories. It's so trippy. How many calories do we need in a day? Like 1,200? Yeah. yeah, well, that's the thing. It's so, I thought it was 2,000. 2,000? They always say what well, number, but I, I totally think it might be different for all of us. I really <laughs> oh, do. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's the U.S. Yeah. dietary diet. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I would, okay, this is interesting. Sorry, this is maybe a tangent from food, but as, I guess there was a recent study. There's an article um, that just came out about fat shaming. I guess fat shaming. Is oh, I saw that. Very like fashionable, I guess right now. But I, know, I saw that. And it's, I guess kind of the point was that people can diet like Nazis. They can work out all they want. Doesn't work. But as soon as they stop the the diet or the workout, they go back to their mm-hmm. previous weight. Mm-hmm. And it, the argument was basically there's there's a genetic component. So we can do all we want, but at some point our genetics yeah. play a part in our right. body type. Agreed. But 
I do think that things are changing and that um, all the additives and all the chemicals oh, are yeah. yes. totally adding to it. Because, like, I was having this discussion with my parents not too long ago, and they were talking about how they used to think that certain characters in shows were like, oh, my God, he's super fat. And then now watching those shows in 2018, yeah. like, oh, he's not that fat. other people. So it's like, you know, things have definitely changed. Yeah. That's crazy because you're just used to it. Yeah. Oh, man. That's That's nutty. So so basically, I I think, you know, you're right. So I watched Friends recently. And this is a total tangent from food, sorry. Mm -hmm. But Chandler, if you watch that show, has this total weight loss, weight gain, I guess, roller coaster throughout Mm -hmm. the seasons because he became a drug addict. And then, yeah, yeah, he had this whole thing. But I'm like, dang, that's like how big I am normally. (laughs) Like his quote unquote fat time is like how big I am. But, um, so you're, yeah, that's a problem. I'm off, I'm Chandler off drugs. And also comparing <laughs> yourself to people you see on screen and stuff, that's a huge problem, right? I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, I don't think it's a huge problem for you, but I mean, we see huge problems at, even in junior high with eating yeah. disorders. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we were talking about the U.S. diet recommendations and how they're kind of skewed, I guess. But what about diets around the world? If you look at the United States, we're like the worst, the most unhealthy. I mean, I think it has to do with the, with the U.S. dietary recommendations. So what about other countries? They don't have it. That's why they're better. But I, re- I, I read an interesting article about French women, how mm-hmm. they're generally pretty slim, and, and, and but they smoke at higher rates, uh, which is supposedly a way to reduce... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're inhaling. And, yeah. I think it also, like, it, it reduces your metabolism somehow. Well, I think all, there's a couple of things in their culture. They don't have big, huge refrigerators, so that means that they're having to buy fresher foods more often. Yeah. Yes. And they are walking a lot more because of the way that their towns are structured. And gives them more exercise. But let's get into the French love of food, and not only food, but rich food. This is really huge because when you eat rich food, you get full faster. Mm -hmm. And we had this huge um, outcry against fatty food for the longest time in the United States, Mm -hmm. and that's being thrown out the window, and I think for the better in the United States now. We eat cheeses and creamy things and all this good stuff and, and, and protein Mm-hmm. stuff and thank goodness that's coming around i agree i or i mean i believe i don't know if you guys i do and another thing that um we do in america is that we always have to eat fast and we have fast oh, in restaurants right. and so that sets our bodies up that. for having to digest it really quickly and having to store it in europe it's very common for dinners to last two three hours uh, i'm gonna we gotta cheers to cheers. that right now because that is I am such a believer in that. Mm-hmm. Enjoy, people in Europe enjoy their food and not only enjoy the food itself, but the people around them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is, so, like, you know, dinner could be like an hour or two. Yeah. Because they're all sitting around. And then I think midday, they've got the whole society comes to a halt while they take a nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like in Spain, I guess, they've got the siestas at like midday. Yes. And we're just like, work, 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 work. And then, yeah. like, in between, I'll eat something really fast from McDonald's. And then work, 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 work. And then go home and then, like, mm-hmm. and then crash. Yeah. Some of the greatest moments of, like, yeah. contentment, like, 
bordering on joy. No, it was joy. Is sitting around a dinner table eating good food, yeah. drinking mm-hmm. good wine and beer and spirits with good people. Mm-hmm. That is that not the height of life? That right is. This, I love you know? that. Oh, me too. And the French have absolutely what's the word? Uh, Je ne sais quoi. Yeah, they have absolutely. They've mastered that. Joie de vivre. Yes. Yeah, they have mastered that, and you know we need to follow them. But okay, so Dana has to leave us. I do. I have to go drink more beer at another place. Beer <laughs> elsewhere. Yes. Well, thank it. you for joining us. Yes. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. I yeah. love talking about food and all these other wonderful things on your refrigerator. And we'll have to have Dana back because she used to be an archaeologist. I sure did. We drink a lot, so we say a lot of horrible things. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you for joining us. So on on that point, other countries have great cuisines that are based on, you know, their local, I don't don't know, like their plant life or their animal life, um, access or, you know, to, you know, an ocean or to, like, just flat ground. Yeah, I love like, how the geography dictates the cuisine. Yeah. Love but it. also like their level of um, their their economic prosperity or lack thereof. Yeah. It's like Mexican Mexican food is delicious, mm-hmm. but it's like the cuisine of the poor. Yeah, which I love and it's so good. And it's I think it's easy to make. Of, yes. Easy to make. It's total comfort food mm-hmm. too, which people who don't know Mexican food, they think it's exotic. No. It's not. Mexican is not exotic. It's comfort food. Yeah. That's what's crazy about. It. Let's you know what? And we would be totally remiss if we didn't talk about Japanese food, which I know we all love. Yes. And we eat it all the time. And the variety of Japanese food between sushi and sashimi and ramen and what's the grill oh. called? What's that grill Tepon. called? Tepon grill. Yeah. And you've got What's the type of, of soup that they stick meat in that, that like, you, I mean, there's tons of restaurants. You, you, there's udon. A, u, udon. Udon, no, but that, that there's a type of restaurant where, you, remember we went to Sacramento? There's that uh, oh, soup. Shabu Shabu. Shabu Shabu. I mean, you go on and on about Japanese food. It's nutty how many It's a tiny little island. Yeah. But, you know, if you look at the, you know, the Japanese people, they don't have all the health issues that we have. Oh. That's a great point. Most of their diet consists of fish. Yeah. Right? So healthy. Fish, seaweed, and it's just a variation on all those different food groups. Yep. I love sushi. Oh, I could eat sushi every day. Uh, I might have sushi tonight after talking about this. Oh, dangerous. (laughs) It's so good. Dangerous. So good. How simple is that, though? Yeah. It's maybe sliced cucumber. Maybe it's like, uh, I don't know, salmon or tuna. And there's like a seaweed paper and then rice. Yeah. And how they make an art of blending the sour, uh-huh. the sweet, the salty. But they invented this great, not invented, it's always been there, but they told us all about it. And we didn't realize that it's there. Umami. Yes. Which is so key, especially if you are a lover of ramen. A good ramen soup is just chock full of ramen. It gets yeah. you in the back of your throat. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, just Colonel. is amazing. There's there's a place in Arroyo Grande called Pokimoro, and it's got this pokey stuff. Mm. It's so good. Ah. But then I've been eating ramen lately too. Mm. Just a bowl of ramen with like all these different kinds of fish, like tuna or whatever. And yeah, oh, it's so good. So like jalapenos in there. And how do we rank 
the world's fascination with food. Would Chinese maybe be number one? I'm talking about globally. Right. I mean, Chinese would probably be number one as far as how it's been totally. It's 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 probably in every culture mm-hmm. by now because Chinese. And then, I mean, I think maybe Mexican might be overtaking for number two. I mean, oh, I've right. heard that it's in the Ukraine and it's yeah. everywhere. Well, Japanese Indian. might be. Or, Indian. Okay. We have that all in Europe. Right. Mm-hmm. Indian is huge in Europe, especially England. I like I love curry. Yeah. Like oh, curry and like man. Indian curry, Thai curry, I could eat that all day. Yeah. So like if you had to do a top five, there'd be Japanese, Chinese, there'd be Mexican, there'd be Indian. What is the other huge ethnic food that is huge in the United English. States? English. <laughs> <laughs> Fish and chips. What Fish is it? Chips. I don't even know what the United England, States England has and what England has. Potatoes. Potatoes. Yeah. Bologna sandwiches. Yeah. Bland. Yeah. So that's interesting. So, like, Americans extol themselves yes. as having the best of everything. Not But food. the language, bleh. Food, bleh. Not the food. And I think it's cool because we have been historically about as good as any culture in, in having other cultures assimilate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, kind of like the United States food and English food is, well, English, the national food of England is curry, is chicken masala, for sure. Really? Absolutely. Every English, uh, the national food is chicken masala. In the United States, like, the national food is just any ethnic food, especially Mexican food in the but Southwest. ethnic food. Yeah. It's other cultures. Yeah, it's in. weird, because we are so multi-ethnic. Mm-hmm. Halfway, though. The yeah. other half could, would hate yeah. me saying that, but it's true. But it's true. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't know. I look at other countries in the world like we mentioned the French, Japanese and they're healthier, they're happier, they live longer. I mean they have a better healthcare system than we do as well. And we look at our food it's like we got McDonald's. What you know that's our greatest export, McDonald's. It really is. Like it, we're making the rest of the world unhealthy along with us and I they're mean, buying into it. They are. Cuz it's quick and easy. What food, what food is disgusting? What food do you know? Oh, yes. we got to get into insects. Right? Okay. Yeah. That supposedly is going to be the food, the food of the future. What? I've had the, the only insects I've ever had are crickets from yeah. Mexico. They were freaking amazing. Really? Because they season the shit out of them. Ugh. And it's spicy as uh-huh. hell. You don't taste anything but crunchy crickets. Oh, oh, it's amazing. You you have to, you will love I it, I even. promise you. My friend used to work at Hot Licks, or what was it called? Hot, I think it's called Hot Licks. Oh, what's it? But it's, it's in Pismo, and they're famous for making the lollipops or suckers with like little scorpions or bugs. Oh, nice. They're at the end. So if, you go to, for that. if you go to Pismo... They're toward the pier, and it's disgusting. I could never, even yeah. if the scorpion was in it, I would never eat it. No, I wouldn't either. Period. Over. Done yeah. with. Crickets, I can't do bugs. Yeah, crickets were easy because of their smallness and their spiciness. I guess. Okay, the craziest one that my son and his girlfriend um, have eaten, she eats, I think, I don't know if she eats it regularly, is the half formed chick in an egg that they ferment oh, yeah. and that they and it's called Bolot Yeah Bolot. Filipino food Filipino food is uh, one of the most I just heard this that it's one of the most upcoming foods in the United States. It's really, really on the rise. Yeah. And of course chicken adobo and pancit and man in Hawaii grew up 
eating lumpia. 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 It's so good. Oh lordy. I could eat that all day. Me too. Dangerous. We had we had some uh, Filipino ladies in our church growing up, and uh, yeah, Dangerous. they would make lumpia. Dangerous. So good. But okay, so I think American food, if you subtract all the ethnic food, is boring. Oh, white bread, mayonnaise, <laughs> a bologna, gigantic slab of steak. Okay, which, so barbecue, now, I guess, is American. It, that to me would be the number one American food. So I actually went to a conference this summer, the president's conference, and um, they made us do this stupid icebreaker. I hate icebreakers. I make my kids do it, but I don't want to do it. And yeah, yeah I'm a hypocrite. But I, we're all like that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm talking to this guy from God knows where, California somewhere. And we're talking, and he's like, so where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Santa Maria. And he's just like, what? He's like, no joke. After this conference is done, I'm going to Santa Maria. And I was like, what? You're coming to Santa Maria? Why? To eat barbecue. To not only eat barbecue, but to buy a ton of tri-tip, and to buy a, a, a pit, and, a, and to buy a bunch of oak. Oh and my he's gonna Lord. go. So he's gonna talk to somebody, learn how to make a tri tip, how to cook it on an oak pit, and then take it back home. I gotta come. I mean, are we? We might, without realizing how amazing we are, be mm-hmm. like. Even though there's barbecue in North Carolina and Kansas City yeah. and all these places, like the cultural food mecca of the United States, like the best representation of food in the United States. That's crazy. Yeah, because people are loving. Santa Maria barbecue, and it's, I mean, have you ever just, like, you take one bite of Santa Maria barbecue, and you're like, rah, 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 because you're just like, holy shit, is this good. So I guess earlier when I mentioned steak, I, mentioned steak, I had a filet at uh, Hitching Post. I devoured it. Right. It was I so good. But I was complaining. It's addictive. I was complaining more about the, about the portion. Yeah, not enough. Because it's like fifty bucks for like a port, like a size of fillet that's the yeah. size of your palm. That's the problem. And I killed it, but it's so good. Oh, and it's so basic. Yeah, you know, there's a place in Kauai that has got front and center of the sign Santa Maria Barbecue. It's nutty. Wow. This little town. Yeah, like we're, we're famous for like the Michael Jackson trial. But we really that's should. <laughs> we really should be, and we are the barbecue capital of the West. And we had this great tradition of paniolos back in the day. They, I hear that they would kill a cow, uh-huh. and they would absolutely just take the strips, yeah. just take the best part, and just all the rest, forget about it. And I mean, they, of course, we're gonna have, and they would cook that over oak because that we ha- that's what we have here, and everything comes down so perfectly from history and tradition. Oh, it's yeah. Crazy. So it's just, by the way, if you want to know what it is, it's just tri-tip or top block yeah. with cooked over red oak with salt, pepper, and garlic. And if you do it right, it will absolutely be amazing. So let me ask you: Was tri-tip like just tossed out in the past? Is that why it's so weird, or what's the deal? I think in the past it's been overlooked. 
Yeah. And it is super flavorful, although it's not super tender. And if you cook it right, which is medium rare, slice it right. and slice it right against the grain, it becomes just so flavorful and tender. It's tender enough if you slice it right. So um, last night, my wife and I went to our childbirth class at Marion Hospital because we we're having a baby in a couple months. And afterward, we're like, Let's get that hamburger habit. Hell yeah! So we went to the habit. I got myself a teriyaki charburger. Oh, with the um, pineapple on it? It's got a slice it. of pineapple. My brother. So I'm, good. Uh, oh, you know so what? Good. That's the American food. And it it's is. good. And it's, yeah. American food is like multicultural. Yeah. You know, f- any like one who wants to build walls. <laughs> Let's yes. get everyone in here, share their food, assimilate food. It's like, so funny watching a real, like, conservative person who's been walled off their whole life try mm-hmm. something super good ethically, food-wise. They're, yeah, yeah. they're like, oh, damn. I gotta keep on eating this. And it's gonna go against my own exactly. philosophy. It's just hard to do. Thai food? Oh, shoot. I gotta keep uh-huh. on eating this. Well, don't you know that other kids are starving in Japan? So eat it. Just eat it. And what article or music or what do you got for um for oh, that man. bit? Right now, there's kind of a controversy in the Catholic Church. And I'll say this over um, this letter, and I talked about it earlier from an archbishop named Vigano, mm-hmm. and he's basically released a second letter. And I was reading an article about it. You can look on AmericanMagazine.com um, to find it. But again, he keeps attacking Pope Francis based on unsubstantiated allegations and encouraging him to resign. And this guy basically, you can totally tell, is um, coming from a place of hating Pope Francis. So from day one, conservatives have hated Pope Francis. And he's released his article again to these conservative websites Mm -hmm. who have um, consistently criticized Pope Francis because they're obsessed with gay marriage. They're obsessed with abortion. And Pope Francis has kind of like put those things on the back burner, if you will. And instead, he wants to focus on things like mercy, compassion, focusing yeah. on the poor, focusing on the environment. And so these very um, conservative um, people are upset because Pope Francis is not, you know, wading into the culture wars, if you will. Yeah. And um, so basically the recent letter is saying, like, you know, Pope Francis has said things like, you know, who am I to judge? Pope Francis has tolerated homosexuals in the clergy. And I, I think it's true. There's probably a large number of people who are gay in the clergy. And I don't think there's any problem with that. Yeah. Because of course not. they want to, they're, you know, live their life. And they're God's children. Exactly. So who yeah. cares? Right? But these people are like, well, they're gay, so therefore they're committing child abuse. They're committing sexual assault against children. Yeah, they make that crazy leap. It's a crazy leap. But, yeah, so that, that, that article just... Um, American Magazine um, has covered this really well. So if you're interested in that at all, I American think, Magazine, check yeah, it out. Not a whole lot that I'd rather read in that stuff. That's so it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, and that that the, the whole it seems like it's just a huge war going on between the two sides. And the conservatives are looking for any way to force Pope Francis out. They want they want yeah. a pope in there who's focused on gay marriage and abortion. That's yeah. it. And and they don't want a pope talking about the environment. And ignore it. 
Yeah. So Pope Francis recently came out and said, like, we need to be more careful about straws, pollution, all these things, because there's a huge, I guess, trash heap in the middle of the Atlantic. Yeah. Pacific and I don't know about Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. And he talked about that. And they're like, why are you talking about that when there's like X number of abortions every year? It's like, yeah, there's other things to talk about. That's crazy. <laughs> so that's that's what I'll talk about this week for my outro here. So this week, what are you, what are you reading? All right. So if you have not read yet the New York Times expose on Trump's financial dealings, that's a really nice way of putting it. Then do it, please. He uh, has always stated that he is self-made, which is such a laughable joke. Mm -hmm. His father financed him through all of his decisions, financial decisions, all of his bankruptcies. And I, I truly am worried that the Kavanaugh investigation has eclipsed this more important investigation into Trump's financial dealings and how rotten he is. I mean, and but but at the larger point that I hope people don't miss is that this is a national crisis with rich people being able to pay lawyers to hide their earnings. And I, people, please, if you're listening to this, push hard for fair taxing. We normal people are not being normal. I mean, middle class and lower class are not being taxed yeah. at the same rate. We're being taxed at higher rates than rich people. They find loopholes. Yeah. It's not fair. We need to get rid of them all. Please look into all this. And if you have a chance on Netflix to look into 13th, 13th about the crazy prisoner um, the prison um, industrial complex please watch Netflix 13th about how we are making slaves for a second time of African Americans oh so the people who are in prison who are then forced into labor to make stuff and and giving and basically making stuff so that it enriches Corporations. Corporations. It is. It will grab you from the start and will shake you up. And it starts with the uh, most popular film of early American film, um, Birth of a Nation. Birth of a Nation, which is was shocking to me. Yeah, how that changed our perception of black people and how we think of black people as criminals and and. I don't know. Just go watch 13th also. It's crazy because I've talked about this for years. It's basically a modern day form of legal slavery. Exactly. And yes. I've talked about this and people are like, who, who cares? Like, they're prisoners. Like, they've committed crimes. Who cares? They are so unwilling to look into the details. Yes. And it's like, clearly, this is a violation of their constitutional rights. Oh. Because they're getting paid like five cents an hour or not getting paid at all. And they're enriching gigantic corporations. Yeah, they're making like millions or billions of dollars. And these corporations are lobbying Congress to make laws that get them more prisoners yes. so that they can enrich themselves more. It's shocking. More prisons and they're, and they're 
Four prisons in their districts or whatever. And the most telling, and it's just, you don't need even the film beyond just watching the graph between 1960 and what we are now as far as our percentage of of Americans in prison. Mm -hmm. It's just disgusting. And I think part of the problem, too, and I don't want to get too deep into this. This could be a whole episode. Oh, yeah, we really should. But um, part of the problem, too, is the privatization that's exactly of the problem. Prison, um, of like prison facilities. And people, the thing about it is, I, I think, like to think that I'm an educated person and I learned so much, so much. Please watch it. And you know what's kind of, in, in, it gives me heart is that Republicans have also seen the light on really? this issue for the most part. They, wow. they don't generally think that we should, um, let off people who are going to be in the death penalty or the, the lecture chair, but they do think that mandatory sentences and the privatization of prisons mm-hmm. has got to stop. Is that more of like a libertarian thing? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Interesting. All right, that's out for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. Thank you, Deanna and Krista, for joining us. Krista and your, yes. like, ten words. Krista will eventually be on our show. <laughs> we will force her. Yes. Through pressure. And force her to talk. And Deanna was amazing. Yes. She needs to come back on. Yes. You could do us Archaeology. A- Sorry. Archaeology, yeah. Uh, you could do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or iTunes. And be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Your rating will help others find the show. And be sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation on Tap. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Cheers, Cheers Clay. Clay mugs. That's right. Hello, Wild Fidel. Schneider, Wieser, Hintein, Kinser, Schreitzer, Der Judenstadt. Cheers, everyone. That was so long.